neon signs in this office. Extremely cool. Extremely cool. That's the <clears throat> that's the tricky thing about good design. I think making something look pretty is quite simple and quite easy. Yeah. You, you go on Instagram and go to all these interior design sites and oh wow, it looks so pretty for pictures. But the functionality is where design, I think, really comes into practice. Yeah. And that's where you can tell a good designer from a bad designer. As someone that just makes it look pretty, but it's not at all functional. Like I, I read a, not to bring Magnolia into this, but I read a book by Chip and Joanna Gaines. Sure. Um, and, and it's- Fix her upper. It's about how they got started and they, they have a quite, quite a cool story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Joanna Gaines, when they went through, they 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 built all these houses early on. They had all these these kids, and they designed their houses because she said, you know, you'd walk into these houses and they would be absolutely beautiful, but the kids that lived in the house couldn't touch anything because they'd spent so much money on the you know beautifully designed furniture, designer furniture, or whatever it was. They didn't want their little kids crawling all over it, and she she said. But that's insane. What the <laughs> hell is the point of, yeah. of having all this great furniture? Like, that doesn't make any sense. What's, and I, I, I just struck me like a lightning bolt. Like, holy shit, that's exactly it. And so they designed all of their houses with that in mind. How do our kids use this house? How do we use it as a family? What, how do we flow from different rooms? And I think that's, that's real design. Mm-hmm. So it's in the office. Okay, yeah, let's make it cool looking. But how do how are people going to what's our best guess on how people are going to use this space and and uh i, I think it might be churchill how are our our dwellings or we shape our dwellings and then our dwellings shape us so it's you kind of have to think how are we going to use this space and then how can we proactively design the space to be used in that manner most mm-hmm. uh, efficiently, eloquently, yeah. not eloquently. Oh, fuck. That's not the word at all. Um, <laughs> just uh, seamlessly, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm way we're, off we're my off words the rails. Today, But good design. Yeah. I'm very appreciative of it. And it is way harder than I ever thought it would be. Way more difficult. You're, you're making me think about, there's a an American composer named Stephen Sondheim. He's like the father of the American musical. Um, He wrote these books very, very late in his career where he basically broke down a lot of his like lyrics and it has a lot of like, you know, notes in the margins about here's what this really means. Here's why I chose whatever. And one of the big themes in those books is the idea that content dictates form. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about function, and taste to me like that that's just like a rewording of that it's when when we set out to build this office it was never this office is going to look badass and then we'll just use it however it looks it that, that was never the thing you were very intentional you've spoken multiple times about how you and, and molly obviously too um thought okay how is this going to be used and you thought deeply on how's the kitchen going to be used How's this this corner of the office where there are some desks kind of tucked into the corner, like back here where the American flag is? It's like, well, that's kind of set up differently than the than the desk that you and Dan sit at, you know, because that's going to be used differently. Um, and so all of those thoughts, to me, that's the 
the function is like the content in that in that comment. It's yes. you, 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 the function decides how it looks. But the the problem is, I had never done it before. See, and Molly had never done it before. So in in our business, I never had an office before. Mm-hmm. So it was really just pulling rabbits out of hats. I was just just totally guessing on here's how we think it's going to work out. Yeah. And so that's why I I'm so frustrated with the office because it's like, okay, now we have data on how people have actually used it. You're fr- you're currently frustrated, actually? Frustrated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because we have bigger plans here. Sure, sure. I will explain soon. Yeah. Um, but now that we have data on here's how it's actually been used, so now we can take that data and, f- and, and inform the next product far more intelligently. But the problem with physical things, the built world, it takes time mm-hmm. to incorporate that data into the next version of it. Unlike our software product, like what we're doing with training right now is the exact same thing. Based on this information, we're putting this product together. We're going to get into the marketplace. We're going to do our absolute best based on what we know today. We're going to put it onto the marketplace. And then we're actually going to look at the data and look at how people actually use the product and adjust the product accordingly. Nice thing with software is we can do it way faster. Yeah. And adjust for uh, just uh, adjust on the fly compared to a physical built space because it it takes less time and it takes less money because you're dealing with bits on a computer you're not dealing with concrete blocks mm-hmm. and that's why construction companies are so slow to move and innovate that's one of the big reasons because they are very physical businesses they're built on big balance sheets they're very capital intensive their their projects move slowly the whole business moves slowly. And you can't adopt and change like a software company can. Mm-hmm. And then that's also why construction companies have such low margins is because it's highly competitive and it's in the built world. So they just, they, if they go build something, it, you know, there's, there's materials and equipment and diesel fuel. Whereas if I go build a software product, I could go build a software, I, you know, I could go build Instagram or I could go build another software product. One goes and gets 100 million users that becomes a multi-billion dollar company with the same amount of infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, if, if you had the same resources and built two apps and one never had a single user and one had 100 million users. They could be identical from could, a yeah. hours standpoint, from a cost standpoint, yeah. which is the craziest thing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's certainly a huge difference from uh, the dirt world. You know, that that's super, super probably feels foreign to a lot of the folks that we're, you know, trying to bring along on the journey and help them either become partners or get in on the training platform. This is so different from probably anything they've ever thought about. Yeah. Well, and and that's why um, SaaS companies are worth so much money, mm-hmm. software as a service, because to, to, to take that product and multiply it across all these businesses, it doesn't take any additional cost. I mean, yeah. it, it does so, a little bit. Yeah. So you, you need to you need the, the servers and the, the people to support it and so on and so forth. But we don't have to build a brand new app every single time we bring on a new exactly. person. Exactly. It's not a yoga studio. Hey, this yoga <laughs> studio is at capacity. So now I need to go buy another building. Now I need to go buy or hire all those additional staff. Now I need to train all those additional staff. Now I need to acquire all those new customers. That is very, very, uh, it's way different than just, I'm just going to multiply my software to this customer. Yeah. That's, and that's why, you, you know, a restaurant group or a yoga studio, they're only worth so much because there's that barrier there. Now we're still in a very physical world. So we're always going to be dominated by the physical world. However, and I think we, 
need to mix in the software at the physical world, which is my bigger picture vision. Sure. Um, but that's why software is so enticing from an investment standpoint. So you, by saying you want to mix in software with the or with the physical world, you want to move BuildWit to the metaverse? Exactly. So we exist online. And if you want to be part of BuildWit, you have to join the metaverse. Is that what you're saying? Hmm. I still don't even know what the metaverse is. There's nothing to really learn. It <laughs> seems stupid. <laughs> I you can like buy you can buy real estate. Which I'm like, okay, fine. Well, so the internet's technically infinite. But what why I don't get so worked up about all that is we're still a physical world at the end of the day. Yeah. So I can go step into this visual, virtual world and, and, and have a great, great life. And say I could just go into this virtual world. Um, but what is that virtual world worth without electricity? Not very much. Not much. It's still dependent on physical electricity. It's not fairy dust. Mm -hmm. I still am a human being. I still need to consume water. Where's that coming from? It's it's just, there's still these basic human needs that need to get met. And that is where the dirt world comes into play. That yeah. is where our our entire customer base works. So from a adding value and from an important standpoint, big picture, and that's another thing we have to consider, you have to consider when you're building a business. Are you building a business in a market that's growing or declining? Are you in the buggy whip business before uh, Henry Ford comes along and creates the assembly line and the mass produced automobile. Because if you are, I mean, maybe there are there, I'm sure there are still buggy whip companies out there today because sure you see the horse drawn carriage cruising down the street with somebody's, two, somebody's making them two lovebirds in it, you know, on a, <laughs> on a date or whatever it is. So romantic, yeah. especially today, this is Valentine's day. Happy Valentine's day, everybody. Uh, but that was a declining industry. So say you go build a business in that industry Mm, that's problematic, but we're building a business solving a very foundational, very future-proof industry, uh, solving their biggest problem. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And that is, there's a lot of long-term potential there. Well, yeah, it's like you, you consider every other industry in the history of mankind, and you know what they all need? Someplace to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that, that, I like that you use the word foundational with the dirt world, because I think that's only going to be going to become more of a defining characteristic that people talk about. Yes. Is the, the you know, as we're obviously trying to shine a, more of a light on the dirt world, um, bring it to just more, more mainstream in terms of like how people understand it. Obviously that's a big part of what we work on, but I, I think really like highlighting that like foundational aspect. It's like, yeah, we all of these new industries are going to continue to pop up, which is great for mankind. All those things are obviously very, very great. But like still got still got to do it somewhere. And that's like where, like you say, this industry is, is future-proof. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like the way that you're talking about it from like a foundational standpoint. Well, so so we're, we're building a company and, 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 and group of products that serves arguably one of the most foundational industries out there. Mm -hmm. You could argue, you know, agriculture is another one, food. Sure. Um, so there's that. This industry, it's going to change dramatically, but it's not going away. It can't go away. You can even look at, uh, okay, the, you can look at the most disruptive things in the world right now, like Bitcoin mining, for example. What is the number one input for Bitcoin mining? Power. Bitcoin mining is 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 
incredibly energy intensive. Mm -hmm. That's why energy consumption has gone up so much in past years is largely because of these freaking Bitcoin mines that are just consuming huge amounts of power to mine these Bitcoins. And it's only going up and up and up and up and up. But so it's foundational, but even more exciting is we aren't building this company that's solving construction companies estimating problem. That's one of their problems, but they can still get away with, with using spreadsheets. They don't necessarily need my estimating software. We're solving the most foundational problem in this foundational industry, mm -hmm. people. And this is where I connected the dots on hierarchy of needs. Say, and this is Maslow, some more Maslow. Say you're hungry. I don't feed you for a month. You'd be fine. Human body, you can, you can survive quite a while without food. But your mind, you're not going to be focused on your family anymore. You're not going to be focused on your job. You're not going to be focused on the weather. Nothing else will matter other than food. Mm -hmm. And then once you fulfill that need, then you can start moving to those higher needs. Okay, I'm not hungry anymore. So now I can start thinking about maybe I should get a job. Or maybe I should do something today. But until those foundational needs are met, you can't go beyond that. Mm -hmm. Food, safety, like those are the, the primary foundational food, water, shelter, safety, foundational human needs. We take those for granted because we've always had them in the United States for the most part. Yeah. But if the industry can't figure out this people problem, that's a foundational need. They can't go anywhere else without solving that problem first. That's a foundational problem. And it's not, it's not just a nice to have anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not just a want. It's not just a, maybe we should do things smarter. Let's go get some estimating software. They're going to need it. So we are serving a foundational industry that has a foundational problem that is going to need what we are creating. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad place to be. No, it's a now that's a good the place. opportunity. We're we're not by default the ones to capitalize upon it. We haven't done it yet, and nothing's guaranteed. Mm -hmm. We think we are. I, I genuinely believe we are. That's where that humility comes into play. We need to maintain that sense of humility. We need to the and we can talk about this briefly. The the three core attributes we identified with Rich are humility, self-awareness or situational awareness mm -hmm. and courage. Wow. All three of those play a big role in doing what we're going to do and making the dirt world a better place. Mm -hmm. We need to have courage. We're trying to paint a better picture of the future. We're trying to uproot a lot of the traditional thinking in the industry that takes courage. Situational awareness. We need to keep, we need to understand the situation, understand what the industry is up against. We need to understand the constantly shifting landscape we're operating in, in a, as a software business now and as a services business and, and as a media business. You know, everything's changing. We need to be situationally aware. And then we need to have humility to understand that, hey, just because we see this opportunity, just because it's there, doesn't necessarily mean it's ours. So we're not going to get there by accident. We're going to need to work hard. We're going to need to work hard as a team. We're going to need to be uncomfortable and we need to do things we've never done before. We're all going to need to grow as human beings to do that. I think we can do it. Mm -hmm. But that's where I just connected a lot of dots there. You did. And what's funny is the, the next thing I wanted to talk about was um, those three attributes. 
Right. So I love that you were already there. I don't even have to do the work. I don't need to be here. Maybe I'll just turn it on and I'll leave. And you can just start going and you'll go wherever you want. That's what I used to do. That's what I used yeah, to do. You used to do. That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, so can I ask a little bit more about those three attributes? Yeah. Okay. Um, why spend the time and um, obviously the money to bring Rich in, even though he super believes in our company, mm-hmm. he still is a professional person. Mm-hmm. Um, why spend the time and money going through any of that process? Okay. So to give people clarity, uh, Rich Davini was a uh, SEAL Team commander and he was in SEAL Team 6. And so you have the SEAL Teams, which is a, 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 uh, a group of teams SEALs. And then you have DevGuru, SEAL Team 6. Mm-hmm. So SEALs, they're very well trained, but they're still involved in conventional type warfare. Um, they're support elements to more traditional type of combat scenarios. Mm-hmm. Then after serving, it's like five to 10 years in the SEAL teams, you are selected to go through a selection process that I think is almost a year long. For six. And six of the guys that got Bin Laden. Six of the guys that re- rescue Captain Philip. When you think SEALs, you think SEAL Team 6. Mm-hmm. But that's a very small percentage of total SEAL Team. So they were bringing guys in to the SEAL Team 6 selection process. And Rich doesn't talk publicly about six to just avoid the, yeah, yeah. the complexity of it. The... Uh, they were so they they bring these seals into this selection process, but there's still fifty percent or more attrition in the selection process to go to six, mm-hmm. and they didn't know why. So they asked Rich, "Can you figure out why this fifty percent isn't making it?" Because the problem is the problem that the Navy would be facing is okay. So they take the best of the best from the SEAL teams, they put them through the selection process, and then they wash out fifty percent which is a very large percentage of guys that are alpha males, of guys that are very, very good at what they do, and of guys that the U.S. military has invested a lot of money in. You kick those guys back to the traditional teams, what happens? They potentially aren't performing at that peak level, right? Mm -hmm. They're still professionals, but they just got the shit kicked out of them because they didn't make six when they've been absolute masters at their craft for five, 10 years, sometimes more. So they needed to explain to these guys, here's why. And here's, and here's how we can inform our selection process on, you know, what are those core attributes that we're looking for? And so it's by the time you get to that point, everybody can shoot well. Everybody can fast rope out of a helicopter. Yeah. Everybody can do badass SEAL stuff. So it's really how do we tease out these core attributes? Because there are core attributes that make up these six guys. And those are the ones we need to be after. And so how do we develop a selection process around that? That isn't necessarily just, can you hit a target? Because at that point, everybody can hit a damn target. Yeah. So that's what he did. That's what he spent the majority of of his career on was defining those core attributes that they were looking for in the SEAL Team 6 recruitment process Mm -hmm. and then helping design the recruitment process to tease out those attributes. So now he's in the, so that's Rich's background. Yeah. Which is, which is all important because that's now what he's doing in the business world. So we sat down with him for a whole day, mm-hmm. leadership team, and went through our values and spent 
an entire day teasing out what are the core attributes. And attributes are different than skills. Attributes are inherent. They're there. You got them or you don't. Yep. Skills are taught. So, you know, podcasting. I can teach you how to do podcasting. You might be more naturally inclined to be a podcast host, sure. producer, but it's still a skill. Uh, whereas humility, I, can, I, I can't teach you how to be yeah. more humble. You can, you, I think you can, you can learn to be that way over time, but I can't, I can't do that for you. So you're either, you either have humility or you don't. And so what are those, what are those core attributes that we need to be looking for in our recruiting process beyond our values and that are derived from our values mm -hmm. so that we can even better tailor our recruiting process to teasing out what's important within our business? What are those core attributes that someone needs to have at BuildWit, no matter where they're at? Yeah. They could be in the financial department. They could be a software developer. They could be, it doesn't matter where they are. These are the attributes they absolutely need. And so at, at the end of the day, we came up with three. Humility, situational awareness, and uh, courage. Again, those are attributes. So those are three things. You either have them or you don't. We can't teach you to have courage. Mm -hmm. And maybe over a long period of time, potentially you could learn how to have more courage. But that's not our organization's responsibility necessarily. Yeah, We need to make sure those are there. And if they're not there... It doesn't matter how gifted someone is, how intelligent someone is, how long their resume is with whatever they're going to be doing. If they don't have them, they're, they're going to fail at this company yeah, without a doubt. So that's what we identified. Humility, which I think is very easy to agree. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Courage. Uh, we're, we're, we're here to make the dirt world a better place. You think that requires a little bit of courage? Doing anything of, of value and substance requires courage. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. And and honestly, we're still a small business. So everybody that's joined up till this point, that's required courage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, there's there's some risk here. I don't think it's, I, I think it's a perceived risk. I don't think it's real risk to well, someone's yeah. career. I mean, somebody can come in and think, they can ask the question, can you pay my my paycheck in six months? And the like real technical answer is, hope so. Yeah. Even though like you're saying it's a perceived risk. It's like, well, we feel pretty good about that. Like we're growing our business, but still you can't say hell yeah. Duh. No, I would never, I would answer. never tell someone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I genuinely believe, believe that, but at the same time, I just, I don't know. And that's where that, but that's where the, that risk is. And that's where that courage comes into play. Yes. You yeah. have, to, you have so, to believe that. So courage, just getting here and then, um, you know, our mission and then situational awareness. We need to understand the industry. We need to, we're building a business. We're growing very quickly. We need to be situationally aware just as a team, as a company. We need to understand the industry, the industry's problems. We need to understand how to best relate to these people. It's, there's a lot of situational awareness necessary to doing what we're, we're trying to do as well. So those are the three uh, core attributes. And this is all very new information. Mm -hmm. So I still have a lot of time needed to digest this. And then we need to meet with our recruiting team to make sure we're implementing this as quickly and efficiently as we can. And then we need to start teaching on these attributes like um, we teach on our values. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you digging into those three, just kind of how they show up in our business and how we're going to continue to bring on new people. Um, I think what's what's been interesting for me is, is 
getting a little bit of a glimpse into why, you know, like obviously it's good for us to know the kinds of people we want to bring onto the team, but like we still have to kind of invest that time and invest that effort um, into, like you, you used the word earlier, tease those out. Um, and so I think in addition to like teasing those out of candidates, we're also having to tease those attributes like out of our existing folks. It's like, mm-hmm. how, how does courage show up in, you know, in myself versus how does that show up in somebody else? Those, there are different versions of that. Absolutely. Um, but also like I, I, f- I find myself thinking we have to tease those attributes out of our values too, because they all are going to show up in a version of, of all of those values. Obviously humility is the easiest one because stay humble or be humbled it's there, but some of the other ones, it's not as clear. So I think it, it's going to be fascinating just as we continue to grow to see, oh, actually, wow, courage actually does show up in the lighten up value. Well, they show up in every single one. Humility mm-hmm. shows up in every value. Like we just talked about, be a friend. Humility. Yep. Um, be the example. Humility. Make decisions. Humility. Mm-hmm. There's humility in every single one of them. Every single value. Yep. You can work out, yes. Without humility, you can't do that. Without courage, you can't do that. Without situational awareness, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. It provides even more clarity on, oh, okay. Here's, how, and like we talked about on the values podcast we just recorded before this. If you don't, we're trying to do something special. So if we don't, you know, invest in our culture and our people and our business first, then we're not going to be able to do anything special. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. So we need to be extra deliberate about how are we informing our culture? How are we building our business? And say we, okay, great. We have 70 great people that all, um, that all exhibit these core attributes. Fantastic. How do we go from 70 to 500? Mm-hmm. That's a whole different ball game. And you need to be, there's, there's, there's not luck involved. You need to go create a system. You need to go create a real stringent way to start evaluating people. Because if it gets out of hand, if it gets out of hand, it doesn't matter how successful you are, what you're doing, how much change you're creating in the industry, the thing can just tear itself apart. Yep. Absolutely tear itself apart. Well, and that's why we've been... The, the way we grow our team has always been really, really intentional mm-hmm. because, you know, going back to the, the culture conversation, we can't just allow the culture to happen. Like it has to be intentional or like you say, it'll tear itself apart when it grows to be too big to control. Yeah. But what, what got us from one to 70 is not going to get us to 150. Nope. It's just not going to work. And so that's the kind of stuff we need to go even deeper. We need to go even more intentional. We need to invest. We need to spend time. We need to really uh, think and, and and analyze where we're at. And so this was that next step of how do we go even deeper in our recruiting process? Mm-hmm. And okay, cool. We got to 70 great human beings, but we need to be even more intentional to go even further than this. And so this was just another next step, yeah. which I'm very excited about. Like early on, I will admit our, our recruiting process was completely just dumb fucking luck. Just dumb luck. Like you went through it. Yeah. It, it, there was there was no rhyme or reason to it. Which is like, uh, talk to some people and see how you feel. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and and then we came into a a a more thoughtful, intelligent 
way of recruiting, which is largely how these 30 something human beings have just arrived here, which is this, you know, our recruiting team and their much more thoughtful approach on recruiting. Yep. That wasn't by accident. That wasn't just dumb luck. Hey, Shauna. Hey, Matt. Hey, 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 Narisa. Hey, can you just find us another 35 great people? Cool. Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of effort. There's a lot of care that we put on the de- put into developing the process that got us here. It's not just dumb luck that we have all these great people. Mm-hmm. It's not. And I play that off a little bit as it is kind of dumb luck because I do. It, there's a there's a point in it, but also it's not dumb luck. You have to engineer that. You have to create that. You have to make that happen. We're making that happen. Well, I think what's, you're talking about luck. I think what's fascinating is to, to really win and be really successful, you have to be really intentional about all the things you're talking about, how we bring people in. The difference between you know, what it took to get from one person to 70 is very different than how we get from 71 to 140. But you still, you still end up needing a little bit of luck. You still need things to break the right way, no matter how much intention you put down. You, you, you need a little bit of luck, but... Also, at the same time, it plays a small, small role, I believe. If, if we thought it was all down to chance and luck, we wouldn't be, we no. wouldn't be doing any of this. We, there, that would just be stupid. Oh, if it's just down to, to, down to luck to think we can make the dirt world a better place, let's just cross our fingers and hope. Let's just cross and fingers our, and hope we go create this big business. Let's just cross our fingers and hope we can make people's paychecks, you know, make payday in six months. Let's just hope. It's just luck. Hopefully, we just get lucky. That's fucking insane. Yeah. That's insane. No one, no one that has ever done anything significant has just gotten lucky. And even if, if it's perceived luck and played off like luck, yeah. like the, 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 the discovery of penicillin, for example, they left a Petri dish and screwed up a thing and, and discovered penicillin. Okay, how much time and energy went to getting to just that point alone? But luck makes people feel good about doing shit with their lives. Oh, well, you know, they just got lucky. They use it to downplay the hard work of others to yeah. make them feel better about their lackluster approach to life. Well, yeah, it's, it's the, the comment about, um, you know, the rags to riches, you know, overnight success. It's like, okay, sure. Well, even though that guy just had like his first hit song, yeah, he's been playing like terrible gigs for the last 10 years. And that's what you don't think about. That's what you don't see. That's what... And then, and then that guy is going to play it and play it, uh, perpetuate. And I do this all the time, perpetuate the thought that it's just luck to, to, you know, appear humble and, and to make it seem easier and and whatever it is. And it all just, but it's not luck. We're not going to do this by accident. No. Uh, I think that's a pretty good internal podcast, man. Pretty heavy. I feel like we hit some big uh, foundational pieces of how we talk about our business. Well, I, uh, funny enough, I worked on a deck that I'll be sharing with the company, uh, an investor deck for the next round of, sure. of dollars um, on Friday. You mean we're not done? No, we haven't even started <laughs> yet. Um, and so I'll be sharing it with the company, but it, it made, you know, you have to think at a higher level and see the bigger picture. Um, actually, can I ask an investing type question? Yeah. As we move into a new, like, "Quote unquote round of investing is there is there like a formal process to start that or is it just like okay now we're going to try to go get more investment or is it like there can be a formal process um, but we're not doing it formally okay we're going to the industry 
So we're, we're positioning this as a, a win-win-win to these investors. We're going to wealthy, quote-unquote, accredited investors in the dirt world. Sure. These are just rich people. Yeah. Because we're, one, giving them a return on investment. They're business people. Usually, they, usually pretty pro return on investment. And, and, and like we talked about, you know, Alex, just in volunteer your time for the dirt world. Ah, that's not going to go very far. Yeah. So, hey, can I just have $5 million? Just, you know, we're going to make, make you, something cool. We're going to make I you promise. feel really, really good about it. No, no, yeah. no. They, they're business people. They worked hard for that money. And like I said, construction, it's very difficult to make money. So they've worked really hard for that money. Okay, great. I need to show you. I can give you an ROI. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Two, they all have this people problem. They all have no solutions. Here's the opportunity to go build the solution to your biggest problem. And you know it's your biggest problem. Okay, so ROI, the ability to go solve their biggest problem. And then the third win, the legacy piece, the make the dirt world a better place piece. Let's go make the industry as a whole better off. Let's go inspire the next generation. Let's go leave uh, an impact on the industry before I'm gone. So that's where that win-win-win approach comes into play. And that's why we need to go to industry individuals. Um, but but the problem these guys have is they um, they have this big people problem. They have no solutions. They have a lot of cash right now because they're 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 very cash rich, but there's nowhere to put it. They can't continue to invest in. So so normally, the the best place to invest would be into their company, but they can't go buy equipment because no dealers have equipment right now. They can't go hire more crews because they have a people problem. Yeah, they can't. Okay, so so I'm going to go bid all this additional work. They couldn't do it. They couldn't grow. They can't grow. Mm-hmm. So they're just accumulating cash more and more and more and more. So if I can give them, and I say I, Builder can give them yeah. a, a means to create a meaningful return on investment far beyond what they could do within their own business, even if they could invest in their business, and then solve their biggest problem. And then the feel-good approach, the feel-good component, make the entire industry better. That's pretty damn compelling. Yep. That's that's. That's really compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, okay. So oh, those cool. conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. are going to be happening March, April, maybe May. I'm going to talk about it here, but again, that's my job. My job is to go raise money. So from a what you need to worry about standpoint to the whole company, we got it. I told you we were going to do it before. We did it before. I'm telling you we're going to go do it again. We're going to go do it again. And if you need to worry, I'll let you know. Until then, <laughs> yeah, you don't need to worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think of it more, um, maybe more curiosity, just like how that looks from a uh, from like our company standpoint versus maybe you know what's typical in Silicon Valley or whatever. You know, because I I think our growth up to this point has been non traditional, has been really specific to us, and so I think um, in the same way the uh how how we'll go get more investment i think is is also very different so i think what's interesting to me is the differences between you know how we need to do it because it makes more sense for us um versus you know how it plays out in typical like the news yeah. you know to me that's what's fascinating not the oh are you are you ready to start what are you going to be talking about with these people like yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't care no like, and I, I get that that's your thing i'm just saying like i'll just people will say different things in, in different ways. It's like, I don't blame them. It, yeah, it's, it does yeah. somewhat impact their future, but also it's like, why are you spending 
any mental energy thinking about this. Like you need to spend, I, I spend zero ment- mental energy thinking about your job because I can't afford, I, I need to be focused on my job. So yeah. it's like, you go focus on your job because I need you hundred <laughs> percent dedicated over there. Yeah. And if I need you to worry about this, I will be the first one to let you know. I will be the very first one to tell everybody, hey guys, it's not going to work. You're going to need to go find another job. And then I will follow that with, I will do everything I fucking can to make sure everybody lands in a very good spot and then make sure to worry about myself last. I don't give a shit what, you know, don't care about me. I will do everything I can to make sure you, you end up in a good spot. We know a lot of people. So, but I'm not saying that. And I don't plan to say that. Yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> if it got to that point, I would be the first one to say, hey, this is the reality of the situation. Yeah. Cool. Well, and that's where that courage comes into play. For sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, well, well, thanks for digging into that a little bit. That was, it was, I think, enlightening for me just to kind of hear um, like the broad strokes of that process, you know, without once, having to dig into once it. Once we have a deck done, I will give an investor presentation cool. to the entire business. And so all of you guys will know exactly, ev- will know everything we're going to go tell a potential investor. Cool. Look forward to it. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, listening, everybody. If you have questions or anything to cover, uh, Alex and I to cover, send it to alex at buildit.com. Please. And uh, until then, keep busting ass and stay dirty. Stay dirty.